It is the Pastor's Heart and Dominic Steele. Thanks for joining us. How does humility drive ambition? Humility, ambition and leadership with Paul Harrington today. There have been a series of high profile ministry failures and a series of particular temptations for ministers. But on the other hand, how can you be ambitious and what is a right ambition for those of us in pastoral ministry? Uh, we're talking to Paul as uh, most of us are regrouping. Uh, well, we're all regrouping after COVID. And while we're regrouping, Paul, you, you lead the Trinity Network uh, in Adelaide, a network of 14 churches, 13 of which you planted. But... <laughs> I, this completely freaked me out. I'm just pulling things back together, and you've planted three churches this year. Well, Dominic, thanks for having me on. Uh, when you say I've planted three churches, actually there are other pastors who've planted those <laughs> churches, and we're the same as everyone else. We're regrouping after uh, COVID, and we're seeing that. But what's interesting is that uh, if you'd asked me 12 months ago, is this a good time to plant churches? I would have said no. <laughs> uh, and I would have said no, and probably did actually. Uh, but the way, God's just sort of gone before us and paved the way for that to happen. And it just seemed inappropriate for us to say no, given the opportunities we had. So we pressed on, and each of them have started really well. And, and the, the thing is, the churches that sent out the groups to plant are doing better in some ways. Because mm, there's deep for mission. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there's, there's a sense of purpose, clarity about what we're doing in terms of mission and the vision and everything like that, and people stepping up and seeing the need to step up in the mother churches. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of health around it, but it's been, it's been pretty strenuous, mm-hmm. you know, especially for those in the front line. How have the stretching and strain been this last few months for those frontline people? I think, uh, like with most of us, what we've seen is that... Uh, people coming back from COVID. And I think uh, where I am in Adelaide, we're sort of still emerging out of the fog. Mm -hmm. So lots of people sick, you know, dropping out of rosters at the last minute, you know, the teams that they serve on on Sunday. We had seven people rostered on last Sunday morning and seven cancellations in the 48 hours before. It's it's just a nightmare, isn't it, in terms of getting people serving in different ways uh, and covering bases and being you know, able to be flexible enough uh, to do that. So we've, we've had all those experiences, I think, and we have those in the church plant context as well. Uh, but, you know, in God's kindness, we're, this, this year we're seeing more visitors and new people connecting in, and especially in those new church plants, which is what you tend to see, mm. you know, new people turning up to new new ministries. Mm. Mm. Now, um, you're giving the main talks at the Reach Australia conference, and um, how, how, have you, how have you found the conference? Oh, it's a, it's a wonderful conference. Uh, when I come to a place like uh, the Reach Australia conference and there are 850 people, yeah. and I have that strong sense, this is my tribe, yeah. uh, but also it's my partnership network from around Australia, you know, brothers and sisters, a number of whom I know, serving in all sorts of different contexts, same heartbeat, yeah. uh, same gospel concerns. Uh, it's just like family it getting is, together. It? It's just yeah. terrific. And, you know, the, the Bible talks, I'm doing evening talks, Andrew read the morning talks, and it's been lovely. Uh, Andrew was working for AFES 
when I was a student at Adelaide University. Really? And, uh, yeah. And so you, we, you became a Christian then? Yeah, then. that's right. That's when I got converted. And uh, so it's been lovely for me. I've been, you know, in the same accommodation as Andrew, connecting. And Andrew's done about 24 different wonderful ministries throughout yeah, his time. One. And I've done one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sort of sticking with it, you know, and uh, not moving. So... Now, you started your uh, evening addresses, and I want to drill into some of the stuff you were covering um, at Reach Australia with the line, who do you think you are? Yeah. And that line that, I mean, and you alluded it to the Mars Hill podcast and mm. Driscoll yelling in an address to men, who do you think you are? And you're asking us as pastors, who do we think we are? Yeah. And the clip uh, in the introduction, I think has been taken out of context, mm-hmm. but I think it is the question that the podcast was trying to ask of Mark Driscoll. Mm-hmm. Now, who did he think he was? And so that echoes uh, through it. But I do think it's a really good question for pastors to be able to address. We, we don't want self-reflection. It's not all about us. But it's good to think about who we are in our ministry and how we serve and also how we work it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, I think, an enormous amount of pressure that you know, people like you and I have been at it for a couple of years, mm-hmm. have seen mounting over mm-hmm. time, the, the sense of pastors needing to be uh, successful in a whole lot of measurable ways as pastors, the responsibilities to not just preach and uh, pray and do that sort of one-on-one ministry, uh, but to be good CEOs and strategists and ex- executors of plans and all those sorts of things that, that we're... It has totally changed. It has, the face of it, compliance. Uh, and it's quite overwhelming. And I think we can easily lose sight of the, the ways in which we properly measure what we do and how we view ourselves. Mm-hmm. And one of the... Uh, I think one of the risks is that we uh, become quite... Um, worldly in the way we work it out. You know, we measure against each other mm. and each other's ministries or profiles or, which of course is totally godless, you know, mm. really normally, mm. <laughs> just to be comparing ourselves to others. So I just wanted to explore that with people. Mm. Mm. You, talk, you told a story about, um, well, you're just an average pastor. Mm. <laughs> Tell us that story. Yeah, sure. So I was, I was overseas catching up uh, with a pastor. He knew we'd planted some churches in Adelaide. And in the city he was in, similar to Adelaide, they were keen to do the same thing. So after a couple of days, we were sitting down for lunch, just debriefing uh, on, on what had happened. And he said to me, you know, Paul, it's been so good to have you with us. Uh, of course, at this point, I'm feeling really good mm. about the conversation. Mm, how helpful you'd been to yeah, them. Was, yeah, that's right. And then he said, uh, thank you. You know, you've been able to plant 10 churches in Adelaide and you're quite... And then he paused. And, you know, I saw him do that sort of eye flick as he searched for the right word to replace the word he'd immediately thought of. He said, yeah, you've planted 10 churches in Adelaide and you're quite... Normal, you know, that was the word he chose. But immediately I knew the word he thought of uh, was average. You know, you're quite average and you've been able to plant t- 10 churches. And he said, which has given me real confidence that, you know, we here in our city, in our church, uh, and I think in brackets, and me being an above average pastor, you know, could probably do the same sort of thing. And I remember at the time uh, thinking to myself, 
you know, I'm not average, right? I'm Australian. I'm self-deprecating, you know. Mm. <laughs> Who wants to be regarded as, as average? And I thought, you know, I should have been telling him how clever I'd been, you know, mm. <laughs> putting it together. But, of course, that that's a, almost a cameo of the way pastors often think about themselves in ministry as they they measure up. And I guess the point I was trying to make was that it's really the wrong question to be asking, the wrong way to try and work out who you are in ministry and how you go about it. And it's when you get into those unguarded moments that sometimes um, your motivations are exposed, you know, in that Mm. way. Hmm. So how should we think of ourselves? Mm. The... It's a question that I was thinking about leading into this conference, and I found myself going, you know, back time and time again to the first couple of chapters of Philippians, mm-hmm. uh, where Paul the Apostle is reflecting on ministry. And, of course, his context is, you know, this church planting evangelist to the, the known world mm. is in prison in Rome and probably has been there for... You know, the experts say maybe up to five years. So I'm thinking this must be hell for a guy like him, you know, uh, to be in that sort of situation. And the way in which he thinks about his situation and thinks about himself. And what what he does in uh, Philippians 1 and 2 is he contrasts what he calls selfish humility. It's uh, the phrase or the word that comes up in chapter 1 and verse 17 and chapter 2 verse 3. Uh, of of uh, Philippians and talks about the way in which selfish ambition effectively is um, serving serving self. So in, in Philippians 2, uh, verse 3, he, he says it in this way, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So he contrasts this um, selfish ambition with humility, uh, which, I, which I think is Christ-honouring ambition, right ambition with wrong ambition. And of course, his immediate context is the fact that there are some in Rome, he says, are preaching Christ from selfish ambition, Mm. chapter 1, verse 17. And it's in some way, we don't get lots of details, but in some way to put themselves up at Paul's expense. Mm. And he's saying that's an inappropriate way to do ministry Mm. and think about yourself. Uh, but then he goes on, and in uh, chapter, chapter 1, uh, verse 20, he says, It's my eager expectation and hope that I won't be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. And I think that's Paul's ambition, you know, not selfish ambition, but Christ honouring ambition, that Christ will be the main person in the story, Mm. not me. And then you see that ambition, I think, echoing throughout his ministry and his thinking and his life in different ways. So I've just been wanting to explore that. Um, As you said that, one of the things that I was pondering and the next session I went to after your talk that night was... um, uh, an ecosystem presentation, mm. uh, a pragmatic presentation, nine o'clock the next morning. And they, they talked then about the ministry pathway. And they mm. said the ministry pathway begins when the person hears of your church. <laughs> and, um, and, and you don't know about them yet, but they know about you. And, mm. and essentially the message was you 
I mean, it was a sub point, but I was reflecting on it because of your presentation. Um, uh, you want more people to hear of your church mm. and you want more people to know about your church and know about the option of your church and be talking about what goes on at mm. your church. Yep. And how do you do that without, they are going to talk about Jesus, but they're also going to talk about you. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think there are a whole range of ways to be thinking about it. So the the core category is how how is God glorified? How is Jesus magnified? Yeah, yeah that's that's I think what's at the heart of all ministry. Mm. And then what we're doing is trying to think through well, how do we do that mm. in practice? Mm. What are the ways in which we can uh, make Jesus the main person in the story? Mm. And of course, people will connect with churches and with pastors and mm. with other leaders as they they go about that sort of process. But then the task of the the pastor or the preacher is to direct their attention to the Lord Jesus. Yeah. So if I'm in ministry constantly doing that, then what I'm doing is making sure they're not pastor-focused mm. or even our church-focused but Christ-focused and seeing us as a people of God gathered around Christ. So the focus is always there. I think the danger is when we disconnect the two. You know, if we don't have that gospel heartbeat that keeps driving everything we put in place, the pathways or the pipelines, Mm. then we become, you know, pragmaticians. Mm. And uh, and then we really are constantly beating the drum that says, what can we do to please God rather than what has God done to be gracious to us? And I think that we need to constantly focus on that latter question in order to do the other. You know, the uh, God's mercy and grace and kindness to us and his son and then responding to that by pointing people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. How, um, how do you... How do you take what you're saying there and apply it to the way you guide those 14, 20, however many young pastors it is mm. you've got with you on your teams? Yep. So the, I'm talking about the guys in full-time yeah, ministry. Yeah, sure. So in our network we have uh, 14 senior pastors. So I'm in a position where I no longer am a senior pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of a bishop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it yeah, certainly trying to help these guys do well and those churches do well as they <laughs> press on. Uh, so, so the task I think I have is to keep uh, pastors that I work with fresh in their love and desire to serve the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think that's at the heart of it. So they need to um, lead themselves well in that, that way so that they're constantly reflecting on uh, you know, the, those spiritual heart disciplines mm. so that that's what drives who they are. Uh, and th- if if we're doing that well, we can then work away at the other things to be effective and how we do that for other people too. So I think that's probably my main job, working with the pastors, households. So Sue and I, my wife and I, constantly think in terms of staff families, how we care for them, uh, how we encourage them, as families to love the Lord Jesus and to grow like that. Uh, what, what do you do to do that? Uh, well, Sue, my wife, for example, is going away with all uh, the wives of the pastors in just a couple of weeks' time. 
So they, I think there's 25 or 29 of them who will go away together uh, for three days. Uh, they'll, and what I do is I say to the pastors, their husbands, you, your job is to make sure your wives can go. You need to manage the household, look after the kids, you know, do whatever it takes to make sure your wives can be free to head away on that. And they'll uh, head away, uh, they go away to a, you know, sort of a beachside spot, um, accommodation, they'll have some talks, they'll spend time praying, they'll do some uh, troubleshooting, have downtime just to refresh, eat some good food, uh, reflect on both the joys and the struggles of ministry together. And I, I think that uh, for us, caring for them in that way is just critical for mm. our good health as a, uh, a network. So that's one aspect of it. Uh, me regularly meeting with pastors and right now with 14 pastors, I've worked out that my span of care to look after them is thinning. So I've looked to appoint a couple of uh, people in regional spots to care for groups of pastors who, who cluster regularly together. And I try and work with the key leaders in those areas to make. I didn't want to be a, uh, a bottleneck mm. in terms of our effective care for those pastors or for our growth as a network. And also I had in mind, you know, at some stage I'll be uh, retiring or, you know, going senile or something. And uh, <laughs> then it'd be great to have a great team of people who are already stepping into that space of leadership in our network. Mm. Hmm. You, you had a line, um, you'll probably come away from a conference like this and have a sense of failure and underachieving. Mm. Expand. <laughs> I remember one of the first conferences, big conferences I went to, was when Bill Hybels made his first visit to Australia. Mm. And it was at uh, Darling Harbour in Sydney. I travelled across from Adelaide with a few people. And uh, Bill, you know, presented stuff uh, in a very compelling way. Uh, seeker service, you know, attracting people in. And I came away from that uh, feeling like I could just never do it, you know. I actually felt quite uh, flattened by the whole experience rather than inspired. Uh, I think it was a, a probably me just not being very godly in the way I processed and thought it through. But I think that for many people they can come away. And it depends on how their ministry is going, mm -hmm. you know, whether they're you know, seeing wonderful things happening or they're in a tough space. But often being with people who are talking about the wonderful things God, God's doing, the right sort of response is to rejoice with those mm. who are rejoicing and to celebrate whatever God's doing, wherever he's doing it. Mm. Um, but that's not always our experience as pastors, I don't think. And, uh, and I was really trying to urge people not to measure themselves in that way and to think that way. But nonetheless, I think it is a, a, a risk for us in pastoral mm. ministry. Mm. Um, you've got a concern on the subject of bullying. Yeah. What's, um, and that's been a, a bit of a theme in mm. Reach Australia of mm. addressing that. What's your word for us there? I think that as pastors, especially when you're wanting to be uh, groundbreaking, reaching into new areas, trying new things. Ambitious for Jesus. Ambitious for Jesus. But you can, can become so narrow-focused 
that you compel people to see and do things your way rather than persuading and encouraging and supporting them in that direction and clearly teaching and bringing conviction uh, for that. And I think that bullying is a very... It's a word that's used an enormous amount and sometimes not clarified very well, but there can be a control or a manipulation of people, um, a stomping over the top of people in the quest for certain goals, even if sometimes they're wonderfully, you know, well thought through sort of goals. Mm. So I think we just need to constantly be thinking through how we serve the people around us with the common goal of uh, glorifying God and raising up the Lord Jesus. Mm. Do you think sometimes it comes from just the positional authority that you have? Yeah, I think it can. Uh, It's interesting, isn't it, at the beginning of um, Philippians, Paul describes himself and Timothy as, uh, most translations say servants, Mm. but it's actually slaves. Mm. So he, he always sees himself as the one who serves at the disposal of his master, and then you get to chapter 2, verse 3, and it says, and that should be our attitude when it comes to others, you know, serving them as slaves for their good mm. in Christ. Uh, so I think it's for the good of the people around us to grow more like the Lord Jesus rather than it be good that they got on board with the plans we have to do it. Mm. And there's often a subtle difference between those two things. Mm. Um while I've got you, hmm. you're an even a significant evangelical ministry in a liberal diocese, hmm. and there's been a big doozy in the Anglican Church last week at the hmm. General Synod. Yep. What's your take on that? Uh, like like most uh, evangelicals, uh, it deeply concerns me that the bishops weren't able to, as a group, affirm a biblical view of human sexuality and marriage. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, was distressing and it obviously went counter to the majority of those general synod representatives. And like many pastors, but also members of you know Anglican churches all around Australia, uh, that raises real questions about you know the character of a denomination, that can't express confident affirmation in what the Bible clearly yeah. says on such matters. So I think we're in that situation. It's not new in Adelaide. I've, I can remember when a former Archbishop of Adelaide uh, came out in the local newspaper, uh, you know, but you know, not convinced about the resurrection, uh, saying that it, you know all roads really led to God. Didn't matter whether you were, you know, a Christian or a Buddhist or a um, so I've, You've been disagreeing with archbishops for a long time. It, that's been the case. And I've known that there's been that sort of challenge in our ranks. But up until now, there's not been a movement away from uh, the theology or orthodox position that the Anglican Church has had. Now, we haven't done that in this case either. Mm. Uh, nothing has changed in terms of our... They've just failed to affirm it. That's yeah. right. They've just failed to affirm something that's true. Uh, but it does create a worrying concern in terms of those key leaders among God's people around Australia. Uh, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it, it, there is a threat, I think, of um, you know the Anglican Church busting apart. 
in Australia in different ways and what that will look like. I think there may be an issue for us in Adelaide, depending on which way our local synod goes, because it seems like the national synod has almost devolved the responsibility for working this one out to local synods. Mm. Uh, well, by not by not leading, by not there's leading. a vacuum. Yep, yeah. that's right. There's a hole created. And uh, we've had these sort of debates in our synod already. And, you know, there is a, uh, a mood in our synod uh, to move away from what Anglicans believe, which is what the Bible teaches. You know, mm. So, yeah, it's, uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, mm. as Kanishka said, perilous. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for coming and talking to us. Pleasure. Great to be with you, Dominic. My guest on The Pastor's Heart, Paul Harrington. He's the Senior Minister of the uh, Trinity Network of Churches uh, in Adelaide in South Australia. You've been with us on The Pastor's Heart, and we'll look forward to your company next Tuesday afternoon. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.